This is Inspiring Minds, a podcast focused on thought-provoking conversations between VSB students and our world-class faculty. Thanks for tuning in to Inspiring Minds podcast. I'm Liam Hurley, a sophomore VSB student intending on co-majoring in finance and business analytics from Skillman, New Jersey. Today, I'm here with Dr. Kathleen Iacocca talking about her research article entitled Resell vs. Direct Models. U.S. branded drug distribution in the future, and I have a few questions about your research. Firstly, what made you interested in the pharmaceutical industry? I was always interested in this. Growing up, my father was in the healthcare industry, and with current events going on, we often talked about things that were were relevant, and pharmaceutical has always been something that makes the news. So I became interested in the pharmaceutical industry when I was very young, and as I started to work on my research, I realized that being in the Northeast and having my PhD over in Rutgers in New Jersey, there's so much going on over there with the pharmaceutical industry. So I felt like I needed to use my my skill and my brain for good. And with the pharmaceutical industry and so much turmoil, I thought, if I can just use one little piece of information to help this, it would be a good thing. In your article, you discussed investment buying. I was wondering if you could tell the listeners a little bit about when the practice of investment buying entered the pharmaceutical industry. So investment buying has been around for a really, really long time. So what would happen is prices would be set at the first of the year. And manufacturers and distributors and resellers all know that the price is set at the first of the year. Well, if you know that the price is going to go up, Naturally, what would you do? You would buy as much as you can in December while the price is still low. So this idea of investment buying is actually quite logical given everything that's happening in the industry. Distributors would say, well, I'm going to buy the product when it's much cheaper in December. I'm going to fill up my warehouse. And then I'm going to sell it to CVS and Walgreens and Costco's. But I get to sell it in January after the price went up. I get to make increased margins just by timing. So that is actually what investment buying is, and it's been around for many, many years. Usually around the 80s is when they estimate that that actually began. Um, What's interesting, though, with investment buying is it's recently been frowned upon. Bristol-Myers-Squibb was actually fined by the SEC for it, and the SEC actually said, while the practice isn't illegal, it is unethical. Is there a way the government can ensure that the market price is not too high and set a maximum on it? Or is the example of Bristol Myers Squibb enough to cause these companies to lower their margins? The example was enough actually to stop the investment buying at the extent that it was happening. Investment buying was happening where manufacturers would sell their product to distributors in December at a rate of usually about six months of inventory. So the investment buying amount was huge. After Bristol-Myers Squibb got fined, the investment buying went down drastically. On paper, many announced that we are no longer doing investment buying. But through research and through collection of data, we found that there is still investment buying taking place. It's now, though, just over like a two- or three-month period. So it's a much lower extent than what previously was being done. But there's this conflicting area where our manufacturers are privately held organizations. So they have shareholders that they have to answer to, and they have end-of-the-year margins and end-of-the-year sales that they have to hit. So while investment buying was minimized after this fine, it wasn't completely eliminated because the reality is you still have sales to hit at the end of the year. And if you're just a couple of 
thousands of cases off, it's easier to sell them earlier than miss those targets. So do you see investment buying playing a role indefinitely in the pharmaceutical industry, or will it die off with the use of other things that you touched upon in the paper, such as the use of 3PLs to reach higher margins? Well, 3PLs, which stands for third-party logistics providers, are trying to enter this market. And when we say 3PLs, it's like FedEx and UPS. One of the unique things about the industry is that CVS, if you've ever gone to a CVS, you'll notice they don't hold a lot of inventory. The physical floor space that they have is not large. And if you think about all the drugs that are out there, how can they possibly hold inventory of all the drugs when they're not really sure you know, who's going to be coming in to fill those prescription for what? So the pharmaceutical industry has gone through this trend of giving CVS and Walgreens and the other retailers daily supply of drugs, meaning a truck shows up every day to deliver drugs so that CVS doesn't have to hold a lot of inventory. The third-party logistics providers didn't have the ability to come in prior to this because they didn't have the technology to offer cold chain solutions, meaning the truck was refrigerated so that certain drugs could stay cold, and they didn't have the ability to offer to 130,000 retailers across the U.S. daily supply of drugs. Now, though, with advances in the supply chain, advances in logistic, advances in technology, where now we know UPS and FedEx do have climate-controlled trucks, they're trying to enter the market. They haven't gotten very far in the market, and the reason why is um, debatable. Part of the reason is is that the big three distributors have such a stronghold on the market. Another reason, though, is simply because of the government regulation that takes place on the safety of the consumer. A lot of times you don't realize what the truck is holding because it's an unmarked truck, and that's simply for safety reasons. But if we as consumers found out that FedEx daily was going to be delivering to CVS, it would be easy to follow that FedEx truck, hijack the truck, and get the drugs. You mentioned how it's hard for the 3PLs to permeate the market due to the three drug manufacturers having a tight control over the market. Do you see 3PLs finally making way into the market? And if so, how long would this take? They are actively trying to get in. And if they didn't see that there was potential to get in, they would not be investing the marketing resources and the money that they are to try to infiltrate this market. So I would have to think that it is a wise business decision, and that's why they're spending time doing it. So I do think that they could potentially be successful. I also believe, though, when you ask how long it could take, I think we're in a very turbulent time with our pharmaceutical industry and with our healthcare industry as a whole. And in the past 10 years, you've seen massive changes in our healthcare supply chain, and you've seen massive changes in the pharmaceutical cost reimbursement system and the pricing scheme. So to predict how long, it's a little bit harder. The changes that are coming, I think, really are up in the air. However, I do believe that FedEx and UPS and other 3PLs will play a more significant role in this in the future. Do you see the 3PLs replacing the wholesalers or being integrated with the wholesalers? There will be an integration. The wholesalers right now have too valuable of a job. They are able to provide mixed load shipments. They are able to, like I said before, distribute to 130,000 retail outlets daily. The distributors have identified the threat of the 3PLs and have made themselves more valuable 
within the market. They're now also trying to assist and provide more services to the manufacturers than what they previously did, essentially to make themselves more valuable. And what role did your background analytics help you to form these conclusions regarding the healthcare industry and the distribution models? Well, my entire dissertation when I was working on my PhD was based in the healthcare industry. And so my strong mathematical background in optimization helped me determine and evaluate different distribution structures. And so we actually looked at the investment buying distribution structure, the current fee-for-service distribution structure, and then we also looked at a European model. And we were able to evaluate the different processes, but that was all done through optimization and modeling. And then we also received a large amount of data from some of our partners. And working through that data to find patterns and trends and seeing a picture and to be able to tell a story and then evaluate those stories for long-term sustainability has really been valuable. So having that understanding in data analytics is really important because it helps you see pictures out of data when other people don't even want to look in there. And it helps you learn how to optimize something or how to simulate something if you wouldn't necessarily be able to model it. Thank you so much, Dr. Iacocca, for sitting down with me today to discuss your views on the pharmaceutical industry and your predictions for what is to come. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning into Inspiring Minds podcast. Thank you for listening to Inspiring Minds. Stay tuned for our next installment featuring more VSB students discussing research topics with our world-class faculty.